Welcome to PDBC's Tax Reform Readiness podcast series. This podcast is an excerpt from PDBC's Tax Reform Readiness webcast series held on January 10, 2018, focusing on U.S. mandatory deemed repatriation considerations. The panelists for the webcast were Ken Kuykendall, PDBC's Tax Services Leader, Tim Anson, a PDBC tax partner focusing on international tax issues, Elizabeth Nelson, a PDBC tax director also focusing on international tax issues, and Wade Sutton, a PDBC tax principal focusing on mergers and acquisitions issues. This podcast excerpt consists of a discussion among the panelists covering general considerations around bringing cash back after the toll charge and initial guidance issued by Treasury regarding the toll charge. Timmy, I'm going to come to you for the next section, but before I get there, um, We've talked a lot about the calculations related to the toll charge and all those things. Can you maybe take it down to saying, okay, when bringing back cash after we've sort of done this, what are the issues people need to be thinking about before they actually physically start repatriating cash back to the U.S.? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question, Ken. It's going to be the focus of companies uh, from this point forward now that you know some have already incurred the the toll charge. But you got to think about, is there going to be foreign withholding taxes on those repatriations? Because you're, you're not going to get either any or a small credit on the taxes. Um, do you have distributable reserves in the foreign country? Can you legally even get the money out of the country without you know, doing a sale transaction like a 304 or something? Um, you know, and then this whole issue of do you have basis, depending on whether it's actual toll charge PTI or deemed PTI, you may or may not have basis, and we need more clarity in the rules probably to make sure we can get that money back tax-free. Um, and, you know, how are you going to use the cash? We talked about that earlier. You know, if we're going to have a, a flow of cash back to the U.S., how are companies going to plan to use it in their business? And I think another issue, if you do uh, distribute out the PTI in the toll charge year and you have a, for example, a fiscal year specified foreign corporation, so 1130, and you distribute out the PTI before 1130-18, that's one of the measurement dates for cash position. And so does that run afoul of the anti-abuse role that's in the cash position um, that indicates that uh, if a principal purpose of, of shifting or altering that cash position uh, is the distribution of cash, then it's disregarded. Yeah, that's an excellent point. They're, they're going to give us an ability to bring the cash back with the changes they made to notice. But then if you do, you might get slapped on the wrist with the anti-abuse rule because you lowered your cash position. So one would hope that there would be more guidance to kind of let you do those cash repats. One other point on that question goes to the financial accounting side. So you raised the excellent point. Can I get the cash out due to distributable reserve issues? Do I have a withholding tax? All sorts of things out there that will factor into whether or not companies actually may want to maintain indefinite reinvestment for accounting purposes, even though there isn't a incremental U.S. tax beyond what's happened with the deemed repatriation, solely because there is a withholding tax that would have to be recorded or other reasons out there. So as I've been dialoguing with clients, they are going through an exercise to figure out, well, where else, where am I still applying indefinite reinvestment from an accounting perspective just for all these other reasons that are out there? beyond what the U.S. tax or the incremental yeah. U.S. tax would be. So that, that's, an, that's an open discussion right and now. One other quick point, Ken, uh, kind of outside the scope of this discussion, but some companies won't have the cash to repatriate the previously taxed earnings, and, and yeah. the earnings will sit there. And to the extent they sit there, they can come back and bite you on interest apportionment against guilty income because it's, an, it's part of the earnings and profits bump to your asset basis. And the longer that sits out there, 
It may cause more interest to be allocated and apportioned against guilty, causing excess credits in the guilty basket, which is a separate basket. They don't carry over, lost credits. So, All right. So, Tim, can you walk us through um, the notice, the recent guidance? We've got maybe some open issues, and, and then I'll go ahead and close the webcast down. Yep, sure. Thanks, Ken. So just I'll first go over you know, some of the highlights in the notice. And we've covered a lot of it already in, in the discussion. But you know, the, the notice did um, you know, focus on double counting issues, aggregate cash positions. And we talked about that, you know, disregarding intercompany lending, like physical pooling arrangements. Um, and it also dealt with double counting of, um, of E&P, which can happen um, because of the, the different measurement dates. So, if you had a, a comp, a SFC making a payment after 11.2, which is one of the measurement dates, but before 12.31, 17, another measurement date, those earnings would be in the 11.2 measurement amount, but they could also be in the 12.31 measurement amount of the recipient, and they could be double counted. So what the notice says is it gives a bunch, it's four examples, and it says you know, deductible payments or dividends between the measurement dates will not be double counted, but look for future guidance as to how that will be adjusted. So we're, we're all sitting here kind of wondering, okay, well, where is the E&P? Is it up above, is it down below? Because it has the collateral implications of PTI and all the issues we talked about. So, so we're hoping that that gets uh, covered in future guidance. And then, you know, they, the big thing that they, they gave us was, um, you know, if you have, if, if you're a, a fiscal year taxpayer, so like an 1130 year end you know, SFC, and you have a toll charge amount, that toll charge doesn't register until 1130.18, okay? But like in the normal subpart F rules, um, you know, companies have repatriated previously taxed earnings in the year they're generated. So people would think, well, I can make remittances to the US from 12.1.17 to 11.30.18, as PTI, because that's how the subpart F rules work. The problem is there was a glitch in the subpart F rules for the last 55 years that is not clear whether you get basis. You can repatriate the PTI as, 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 as previously taxed, but you need 961 basis in order to get that back without a capital gain. And so that issue has been out there. And I think, you know, there are arguments to say that that basis kind of crystallizes mid-year, but, but when you have like hundreds of millions or maybe billions of dollars of PTI from the toll charge, companies are maybe less willing to take that on. And so Treasury was aware of that, and they gave us a break, and they said, okay, if you make a distribution of previously taxed earnings in a fiscal year, so right now up to the end of 11-30-18, we will reduce what would otherwise be a 961-B2 gain. So they're not telling you you get the basis, but they're saying the gain will be reduced. It's the same thing. So they're letting us repatriate the PTI sooner rather than later, which was a, a really good thing. But it does, you know, leave open a lot of uh, collateral issues. And then, you know, the whole idea, we, you know, we talked about the affiliate group calculation for cash positions and deficits, you know, sharing. So if you have a deficit in one chain by one U.S. shareholder chain, positive E&P in another, you'll be able to net those two. But, and that's a good thing, right? It lowers your toll charge. But with the, um, you know, with the cash position, that could come back and bite you. Cash in one chain with no EMP and an EMP in another chain. So it, they come together. So um, there's still a lot more to go. Um, we understand that, um, you know, there are future notices coming. 
uh, before they turn to uh, focus on guilty and FDII and, and some other issues. So there are a couple more notices on repat. Um, but um, and, and taxpayers for now can rely on the notice, and you know the notice is basically a promise of regs that uh, will will be issued uh, sometime, hopefully in the near future. We've been told that another notice is is pretty eminent, like maybe at the end of next week, and that will deal with cash repatriation. There's a whole bunch of these issues we talked about still left open, and then um, we also understand there probably will be a third cash repat notice sometime maybe in the spring. Okay. To cover loose items, whatever. So, you know, there's still time for for companies to kind of think about these issues and maybe provide input. I mean, Treasury's looking for input. Okay, um, I think what they're they're they're, they're going to try to finish up the cash repat guidance, and then at the same time, they're trying to build their issues list for guilty, FDII, 163, all those other issues. And I think they're going to turn uh, a heavy focus to that, you know, in the next uh, say few weeks or months. Um, to get into those other areas. So right now the focus still is cash repat and get that nail. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please email the participants whose email addresses can be found in the description of this episode.